All right, go ahead, have a seat. Ushers, come forward. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, you've got that connection card thing. You do not need to get that filled out and put in the basket in the next point two seconds before it comes by. Uh, take it out with you as you head out today. There will be some really nice people on your left as you walk into the big open area. Uh, go ahead and drop that there. We've got a gift for you because you matter to us. You made this place matter to you, and so we just want to say thank you. So today we are continuing our series on loneliness. We're continuing to fix up our little house. We've got our kitchen over there. Our series is Fixer Upper. It's not on loneliness. Today we're looking at loneliness. Uh, and, and the thing about loneliness, like we look at this. This is a table for one. We've got Hot Pocket, uh, which is only for two little things, so it's probably feeding one person. Loneliness is something that doesn't really have a formula to it. Okay, I think of times that I've been lonely, and, and I thought back to a time uh, a couple of years ago, I went camping by myself. That should totally explain loneliness. I went up to Mineral King, it's about three hours from here, uh, spent the first day reading a bunch, journaling, sat down next to a waterfall, like in the mountains, it was perfect. I woke up the next morning by myself and thought, I've seen more deer than humans, get me out of here. Like, I'm packing up as fast as I can to go back to humans, uh, because that makes sense. Like, you shouldn't go camping by yourself. It's kind of like wearing pajama pants to Walmart. If you want to do it once to see how it is, great. If that's your every Saturday routine, uh, you need a role model. You shouldn't do that. Uh, same with camping alone. Like, it's, it's not safe, but also it's good to do that stuff together. But loneliness isn't just for times you're alone. That's part of what's so crippling, what's so hurtful, what, how it just kind of digs its nails into us and why we're talking about it today. Because if the situation was just be around people, like, we can do that. The other time that I thought about really being lonely uh, was my sophomore year in college. There were a bunch of minor things that had gone wrong in my life. And when you add up all the minors, it turns into something major. And I'm living with a bunch of people my age, kind of my trajectory in life. I'm surrounded by hundreds of other people my age, my direction in life. And I felt lonely. Because it's not just about like what is going on on the outside, it's about what's going on inside. I had been away from home at that point for about a year and a couple months, so like the newness of it was gone, and what had replaced that uh, was just a sense of loneliness. And so what we're going to look at today, we're going to be in John 14, uh, verse 15, we're going to start there and read a few verses. We're going to look at God's plan to lead us out of loneliness, okay? It's not just a potion that God says, you want no more loneliness? Boom, I'll drop it on you. For some of us, that will be the case because we worship a miraculous God. And when we ask for something, he can do it. But we're going to look at today is God's plan to lead us out of loneliness because there's process with it. There's things that we do. There's things that God does. There's ways that God works in the way that only God can work to take care of a problem that only God can take care of. So as we look at that today, the first thing I want to say is that loneliness is the result of the fall, okay? Before sin entered the world, there was no loneliness. Everything was perfect. God creates a man. He names him Adam. He creates a woman, names her Eve, puts the two of them together, and they are the picture of anti-loneliness. They live in a garden together and they walk around naked all the time not because it's unsafe for kids but because they felt so good about who they were they were so at peace with who they were before God before each other that they didn't need clothes and they had no shame together it was a perfect relationship uh, not only individually but but as a husband and a wife together they would go on walks with God at the end of the day because things were that good it's the perfect picture of no loneliness, everything is great. And then sin enters the world and immediately they grab leaves and they cover themselves because they're embarrassed about their nakedness. They, they start to become dissatisfied with who they are. Instead of worshiping God and being so thankful for the person that, that God gave each of them next to each other, they start blaming each other. 
Like, this is your fault. How come you didn't do this? God, this is the fault of the person that you gave me. And they hide from God. This is the beginning of what we understand loneliness to be now. And so now, fast forward a couple centuries, a couple of millennia, what we do is we have that ache still within us around loneliness, and we try to plug that with everything possible that we can find. We'll stick people around it to chase the biggest adventure and the biggest high together and do the craziest thing and be around the most amount of people at one time so we don't have to address what's going inside of us. We tried to add possessions and things and toys and gadgets to our lives, whether it's our home, whether it's your car, whether it's your phone, whether it's your TV, which we learned was me last week. All these areas that we try to plug over loneliness and take the place that loneliness is exposed in our lives. It gives way to the whole area of substance abuse and trying to fill our bodies with other substances that will take care of this need we have. And then in the last 10 to 15 years, we've seen how social media has become this band-aid that we try to put over loneliness that if we make the top 1% of our life out there for everyone to see and it looks so great and so glamorous that people will think that we are not lonely at all. But in all reality, it's something that's deeper inside of us than just being around people. It's something that's in us, and God wants to do work on that now. He wants to fix that up today. Sociologists say that loneliness is the next pandemic that's headed toward God's people, that's headed towards all people. And so what God as a good father wants to do, and as our savior, is he wants to save us from loneliness, knowing that it's going to take some hard work. But the good news is right away, the first thing that'll be on your outline is God already has a plan to fight your loneliness. God already has a plan. John 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Okay, let's stop there, all right? I don't know about how, who you are and how you read that, but I read that and I see immediately that I have not obeyed all of God's commandments. And so what did God do? God didn't strike me dead right there. God didn't kind of push me off to the side and said, I will deal with you when you are good. I will deal with you when you are right. Instead, he invaded human history in the person of Jesus to pay for every single area that we have not kept the commandments. What Jesus did was he lived the life that we could never live. He paid the price that we could never pay. He was perfect before God so that when we ask for forgiveness from Jesus, Jesus, we become perfect before God, not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done for us on our behalf. So right away, we see that just as God had a plan to deal with all of the ways that we do not obey the commandments, he's got another plan. So our Savior, our forgiver, the one who traded his perfect life for our sinful life, he says, if you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. God's saying, I've got a plan. It's a good plan. It's going to work. Before this, I spent 17 years in student ministries. And toward the end of it, when I had been to camp 14 times and had like learned all of that, people would come up and say, what are we going to do in this situation? Boom, here's my answer because I have a plan. I've done it before. I got to feel like a genius week in and week out. Now I come here and meet new people and meet new problems. I'm like, I don't know what to do, which is why I have a team of people that we work with and ask and bounce stuff off each other and ask God to give us wisdom on how to lead people lovingly. God says here the same thing. We're never going to bring anything to him, whether it's loneliness, whether it's anything, and he's not going to say, I have a plan. So God's plan is that he's going to give us the advocate who will never leave you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit, but also it's a picture of who Jesus is. Centuries before he was born, it was said that when Jesus came, he was going to be Emmanuel. He was God with us. 
A few months before Jesus was born, Jesus' earthly dad, a guy named Joseph, uh, is engaged to Jesus' mom, Mary, and Mary gets pregnant even though Joseph and Mary never had sex. And so Joseph is faced with quite the situation because his fiance is very pregnant and he is very much a virgin. And so did, how did that happen without this happening? Uh, and so one day an angel comes and talks to Joseph and says, the baby that's inside your fiance is not of human origin. It's God creating a baby inside of her, and he will be called Emmanuel because he will be God with you. So Jesus is God with skin on. He's walking around showing people a human representation of what God would look like, loving people the way that God would love them, uh, teaching the way that God would teach, explaining laws and holiness the way that God would do it. And Jesus dies for our sins. He rises again. And then right before he leaves earth to go back to the Father, this God who is Emmanuel, who's God with us hundreds of years before he was born, weeks before he was born, his last words before leaving humans to go up into heaven and live with God is, I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. He says, I will be with you before my life, weeks before my life, during my life, after my life. Jesus continuously is reminding people, I will be with you. He's saying, as you bring loneliness to me, and God knows our hearts, he knows that it's a complex thing, he knows that it's a painful thing, he knows that for some of us, it is a daily thing. He says, I've got a plan, and I am with you in the middle of that plan. I am God who is with you. And so we see that God has a plan right away to fight our loneliness. And it's a plan, it's not a cure, because godly people will still fight loneliness. I mean, page four in my Bible is when everything falls apart and sin enters the world, and that exists that way for about 1,100 pages, and then at the end, God creates a new heaven and a new earth, and he brings his people into that. That means that the rest of the Bible, so like, I don't know, all of this part, okay, is humans dealing with issues and coming close to God and finding God in the midst of the darkness and finding the love of God that pulls them through the darkness. And so we can look at things like loneliness and we can see one thing loud and clear, that we have a God who is with us, who will invade our loneliness, who will invade our solitude, who will invade the areas we think, God, I don't know if you could do anything about this pain. And he says, I have a plan and I am with you. And as Christians today, as a body of believers, he equips us to work that out in unique ways. We see that following this. Because God empowers his people to lead his people out of loneliness. It's kind of confusing. God empowers people to lead people out of loneliness. Like, God, why don't you just solve this yourself? He says, no, I don't want to do that because I want to unite you together to make a difference in each other's lives. Okay, the way I look at this now, the way that it kind of takes shape in my life, is this week I'm going to learn how to French braid hair. There's like no reason for me to need to do that, okay? I'm not growing this out anytime soon. Nobody wants me to either, uh, but I'm, I'm gonna learn to do it because I've got two girls with really, really long hair, and I cut Micah's hair this week, so he's not getting French braided anytime soon. Uh, it was quite the ordeal in the backyard. That's where we cut hair in our family. But I'm gonna do it because I don't want Anna to have to do all the French braiding, and it's something that I wanna know how to do. I want to know how to do it because my daughters want their hair French braided. If they ever come to church on a Sunday morning and you see this gnarly braid that just looks absolutely horrible, I did it. Uh, and you can tell me congratulations and stuff like that. But that's a picture, that's one weird example of how this works. You could look at this and say, I don't care about loneliness. Lonely people can find their own church and, and you're not going to fit in here very long. If that's your attitude, because if it's all about me, then you're going to end up all about yourself and all by yourself. 
What God does instead is he takes people like us and pushes them together and say, you individually, you've got your own quirk, you've got your own strengths, you've got the things that you do well, and I'm going to work you together to be something that benefits other people. The way that, that the Bible talks about this, the way that God uses his people to lead his people out of loneliness is the whole metaphor of a body. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. The guy who's writing, he says, Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So how does this work? I thought of some good examples, right? My shoes protect my feet, but my hands are what puts on my shoes. Unless you're wearing flip-flops, because at which point the analogy completely falls apart, you use your hands to put on your shoes. Do your hands need protection from walking around on the ground? No, it's not your hands' issues. It's your feet' issues. If you're lifting something heavy, what are you supposed to lift with? You're supposed to lift with your, so you don't hurt your, there you go. It's legs doing the job of the back. If you're going somewhere really, really bright, you put on sunglasses to protect your eyes. Who holds up the sunglasses? Your ears. Okay, the ears don't need sunglasses. The legs don't need protection from the back. My hands don't need shoes. But this is a picture of how God uses us to work together to support us. God uses his people to lead his people out of loneliness. So God says he is the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit pulls us to truth. It shows us what we need to work on. Loneliness is the alarm that goes off in our lives to say, hey, I know where you are right now. I see what's going on. I love you. And I'm going to tell you that you need to be surrounded by some good people. That's the ache. That's the burn of loneliness in our hearts. And so how does, what, what's, what's good people? How does that work out? Good people are people whose beliefs align with yours. Okay, because you can activity yourself to death. You can scrapbook yourself to death and flag football and fishing leagues and whatever you want to do yourself to death. But if you're not around people who love the same God that you do, there's going to be an ache for loneliness that doesn't get met in your lives. You can have people who have nothing else in common with you except for a love for Jesus and you're going to have what the Bible calls fellowship. It's a deep relationship where you care for each other beyond just how's your day going. And where your emotional needs are met beyond just spending time together with people. It continues, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. Jesus says this is going to cause you to be different. And so as this body works together, the body is going to work together to make the church the most absolutely anti-lonely and welcoming place on the planet. The way that this works out is because Jesus modeled this for us first. He walked around calling people that he was not related to daughter, calling people he was not related to son. It broke laws in his culture because of how inheritance rights and stuff worked. But he says, I don't care because they need to know the love of God. They need to be welcomed into the family of God. Whoever the they is that, that has an ache in them, they're part of my family. Jesus says, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, those are the people who do God's will. They're not just the people who share my last name. And so he's creating this culture that welcomes people in and protects them from loneliness. I think as a church, we've got some great ways that we can do that. One of those is life groups. We talk about life groups all the time. And for all of these things that we're going to talk about, for every time we bring it up, there's a little like defense lawyer in your head that says, you know what, you don't do a life group. You've done that before and it hasn't worked out for you. All right, one of my favorite places to eat at, which shows you my, my standard in society right here, one of my favorite places to eat at is Taco Bell. 
I got to go to Taco Bell on Friday. I went with John, the high school pastor at Main Campus. It was wonderful. I got two bean burritos with extra red sauce and add nacho sauce. It adds $1.20 to your bill. But for the extra nacho sauce, it is a million times worth it, in my opinion. And the thing about Taco Bell is I have had so many bad experiences at Taco Bell. Right, so there's one in my hometown that's close to my house. You have to wait like a half an hour for your food because it's so stinking slow. Right, trust me, it doesn't take half an hour to make the bean burritos that they're giving to you. Okay? It takes about 16 seconds. And then some other times you go and they screw up your order or there's a long line or, or you, you miss the rush and you walk in and the line's out the door and you have to wait 45 minutes just to get your cinnamon twists. Like all of us, we've all had negative experiences at restaurants and what do we still do And we're hungry and we don't want to go home and cook? We go to restaurants even though we've had a negative experience. For us to find our way out of loneliness into Christian community, it's going to cause us to take a risk on things that we've been burned by before. And what God's saying is, I want to draw you into these things. Even if you've had negative experiences before, I want to increase your trust. I want to show you something new. And I want to lead you back to a way that I can show you how great that I am. And so one of these things is life groups, okay? December's almost over practically as far as Sundays go. Christmas is going to be here. Everything is going to go crazy. And then in just early in January, we're going to start a church-wide, both main campus and Sunnyside life group that we're going to do together for a few weeks. We're going to look at the same thing. We're going to watch the same video. We're going to all eat dinner together. And we're going to talk about how the stuff that we've looked at is going to impact our lives. This is the beginning of our spring life group series. We're going to have a bunch of information for it, about it. It'll be on our text alert, so you can sign up for that uh, with your phone on the back of the, of the sermon notes. It'll be on our Instagram and Facebook, so you can follow us there. This is a great chance for you to build relationships with people, connect with people, and be pulled out of loneliness. After those few weeks in January and February, we're going to have a bunch of groups spinning off on that, studying different things, looking at different things, and all of these are areas for people to get involved. But I've had a bad experience before, but you still go back to the same restaurants that you've been at before. It's the restaurant principle. We've all had bad experiences at restaurants, but we still go there. And with life groups, this is going to be a great chance for us to grow together as a church. It's going to be a great example for us as a church to the outside world that this is a place where you don't have to feel lonely because we are going to fight against loneliness and we're going to fight against it together. It's God's people leading each other out of loneliness. Second thing is going to be this Saturday. This Saturday, this is going to freak some of you out, but a lot of you are going to say, I'm going to do this. I'm scared. I'm nervous, but I'm going to show up here Saturday morning, 930. We're going to get a stack of Starbucks cards, some papers that tell our neighborhood about what goes on here at Mountain View Sunnyside. You're going to get a map. You're going to go through a neighborhood, knock on doors, count to 20 until like if nobody answers by 20, you hightail it out of there. And people are going to open the door and you're going to say, hi, my name is Ken. This is blank, whoever's with you. We're here from Mountain View Sunnyside. We have a Christmas gift for you, some information about our church, because Jesus loves you, and we want, to know, want you to know that today. We're going to be taking a step to invade people's loneliness, to tell them that there's a church that loves them, that there's a God that loves them. Here's five bucks worth of coffee that you can have, and we want to know if there's anything we could pray about for you today. That's what we're doing as a church because we worship a God who wants to invade people's loneliness. And us as the church body, we're going to take a step into that to call people out of loneliness, to say, you want a way out? Come join us. I'm excited for this. This is going to be a big thing for us as a church because there's so many people who live really close to here who have no clue that we exist. 
And also, I want us as a church to be moving into this, be, to be taking steps into this, uh, to say this isn't just about what happens in these walls here, but it's in our community all around us because we know that Jesus loves this place and we want everyone around here to know it, not so that we grow bigger. We want them to know it because pain is real, because loneliness is real, because eternity is a long time, and we want people having a relationship with Jesus that changes everything. So we get to take a step into that on Saturday. Christmas Eve, we're doing a big thing here. It was talked about on news. Uh, We're going to do a pancake breakfast before each service outside. It's going to be cold. We tested the grill on Tuesday morning when it was 35 degrees, and the pancakes were made awesomely by me. It was great. Uh, So I won't be cooking them. Somebody better will be cooking them. So if you want good pancakes, show up on the 24th. We're going to do a big old Christmas morning breakfast here with pancakes, and then the kids are going to sing up here. It's going to be awesome. Last year, Micah started bowing halfway through and then doing the robot dance. It was a lot more fun for everybody else than it was for us, uh, but it's going to be stuff like that. It's going to be a great morning to invite people because they're going to have a chance to meet people like you. And as a church, we're walking out of loneliness and inviting people into relationship with us and with Jesus. Jesus continues, he says, but you know him because he lives in you now and will later be in you. No, I won't abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. What he's saying, that key word right there is about abandoning you as orphans. Man, if we're going to be a church, if we're going to be people that walks with people that are struggling with loneliness, then one thing we can't do is abandon people. Jesus gives us a perfect model for this. We're in John 14 right now. You flip over to the other side of the page, it's John 13. Jesus is with his 12 followers, 11 of whom are going to run scared after he gets arrested. One of them, the one who turned him in, he's going to go out and hang himself and be dead. And Jesus is telling him about his love for them. He's telling them about the the new covenant that God has created in Jesus that's going to open the doors of, of God's family wide for everyone. And Jesus, after dinner, takes off his outer clothes, wraps a towel around himself, and goes out and washes the feet of these 12 guys who are either going to abandon him or betray him. And he says, this is a picture of what love looks like. John 13, 34, he says, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Man, that's a picture of us as a church not abandoning people as they walk through loneliness, not abandoning people as they struggle with things in this life. And we want to be a church that's a safe place for loneliness, the safe place for loneliness to get dealt with and to get fought. That means that our love for people doesn't expire. And that it's a strong love that can deal with a rough patch. Jesus continues, soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And since I live, you also live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and that you are in me and I am in you. That crucial line right there, I am raised to life again. This means first that he died. And I think this brings light onto every second in our life where we feel alone. That because Jesus was raised to life again, that means that he stepped out of life, that he died. And Jesus died to to bear every ounce of brokenness that we will ever go through. He died for our loneliness. He died to be alone and separated from God so that we would never be separated from God. On the cross, Jesus dealt explicitly and directly with loneliness. He took on our sins. He experienced a level of separation from God because of our sin that he had never experienced before. And so he cries out to God, 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 why have you you forsaken me? In other words, where have you gone? Why am I alone right now? 
He did that for us, and he did that so that we would never have to. I am raised to life. It means that, that his love for us, his power in us, his desire to walk with us through loneliness is way bigger than any rough patch that we could ever go through. Because God reaches out to us in our loneliness and he invites us into relationship. Verse 21, those who accept my commandments and, and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my father will love them and I will love them and I will reveal myself to each one of them. That's the daily answer for us to walk out of loneliness, to walk away from loneliness. Does it mean that it's going to be a battle? Absolutely. Because life is hard and Jesus meets us in the difficulty of life and he pulls us to life with him. There are a few, days, there are a few ways that we experience this. One is something that we've talked about often and I want to encourage you to start applying it if you've never done it and that's shape journaling. That's our church's Bible reading and journaling plan where we pick three chapters from the Bible, we read them and say, okay God, what do you want to say to me today? If you're wondering what I do to read my Bible each day, it's this, and I think it's awesome. If you already have a plan that you love and you stick to, do it. If you don't have a plan, if there's no random way of you reading the Bible, try this out for this week. Today's and the next seven days reading are on the bottom of your page. So what is SHAPE? It's an acronym. The S stands for Scripture. So you read the three, verse, or three chapters or two chapters or whatever. The point is to read something. Ask God, okay, what do you want to say to me through this? And when there's a verse that you read and you're like, man, that, that hurts really good, or that's completely what I needed today, or man, God, you are completely speaking into this area of my life. That's a person that I want to be like. That's a husband that I want to be. That's, that's a parent that I want to be. You read that and you write it down. The S stands for scripture. You write down what sticks out to you. The H is where God meets us in our loneliness. He meets us in our day-to-day. -day. It stands for hearing from God. So you write it out in second person because it starts out, my, my son or daughter whom I love, today I want to tell you, and then you fill it out as if God's speaking right to you. Today I want to tell you, Ken, I love you and I've got great plans for you and I know that you struggle with this, but I want you to follow me in the midst of this because I'm bigger and stronger than you are. It's hearing from God. And journaling it out so that you remember it and you can kind of think through the way that God's talking to you. So scripture is writing out the verse that matters H is hearing from God. A is application. Because God's word is alive and active, and so God wants to take this thing that was written 2,000 years ago, the thing that he spoke to you today, and push them together for it to have an application in your life, a way to be applied in your life each day. Because God knows everything that we're going through, and we want our lives to be a complete, constant, open book, working project for him to get in and to sort things through, to help us out where we need it to lead us as our conqueror and king and savior. So we apply it. P, it's prayer. So we take the issues that are going on, we take the things that God has said, the ways that we've heard it, the way that we want to apply it, we pray it back to God. God, I am not the answer here. You are the answer. I want you to be big in my life in this area, God. And then the E is a fancy way of saying thanks. It's us closing it out by exalting God, our savior, our friend, our father, our brother, all these things. Just God, thank you for fill in the blank. But it's a way for us to meet with the God of heaven who wants to invade our lives and lead us out of loneliness. It's a relationship, something that we do daily through shape. Weekly, it's what you're doing right now. If nothing else, you've already hit step one of walking yourself, of walking with God out of loneliness as a church. It's show up. It's be here around other people. Because we are, we're a group of people here that is all about chasing after God. 
Allowing God to find us in our weakness, in our brokenness, and lead us out of whatever we're dealing with. And if it's loneliness, God wants to continue to put people around you who are going to welcome you to this place each week. Going to put other people around you who are broken, like all of us, for us together to work together to lead each other out of loneliness. Also to join a life group when they come up. If you're a guy and you don't mind getting up early in the morning, my group meets at 6 a.m. at the Starbucks at Clovis and Kings Canyon every single Friday. It's a great place for us to get together, order our drinks, read our Bibles, journal about what's going on, share our stuff, pray for each other, and then out the door by 6.45 because we got to go to work. This is a great way for you as a guy to step on loneliness, fight it, say you're not winning today. I'm going to be around people who are going to bear my burdens with me, who are going to pray for me, who are going to love me, and then I'm going to go to work. And it's not going to take nine hours. It's us getting together, huddle, break, go, just the way that God made us to be as men. And lastly, once for all time, Jesus showed us that he's all about defeating our loneliness for us. It's the message of the cross. It's everything that we stand for as Christians, that God saw us when we were in our weakness. He didn't say, fix yourself, get strong, and then you can come to me. He said, I'm going to pick you up when you are absolutely weak. I'm going to pay for your sins. I'm not going to let you solve them yourself. I'm going to invade your life with a message of grace, a message of hope. I'm going to take your sin upon me, and I'm going to put my perfection on you. And you're going to have a relationship with God because of what I've done, not because of what you've done. That's the gospel. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. That while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were lonely, Christ died for us. That while we wanted to help people but didn't have a clue of how to do it, Christ died for us. And as a church, as if together redeemed people, that's what we're going to be about. Is about God invading our loneliness that us as a church, we're going to come together to lead people out of. That even if it's not our issue, we're going to make it our issue because children, sons and daughters that God loves that we go to church with, this is their issue and we're going to stand with them to see them find the Jesus who defeats our loneliness, who meets us in our weakness, who shows us his love for us day in and day out, that love which will never be stopped and never be quenched and never be defeated. That's the God that we love and that's what he wants to do in us. Let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you that you are a loneliness-defeating God. We thank you that you came to defeat sin, to defeat pain, to defeat, defeat areas in our lives that bring hurt. And so, Jesus, today we pray that you're going to be leading us to freedom. We thank you that you are a God uh, that made us your first priority and that we will, while we were far from you, God, that you sent Jesus to bring us near to you knowing that that was going to be a big job, that there was a lot of sin to deal with, but you did it joyfully. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to ask Jesus to come into your life, to ask him to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from the inside of you to the outside of you, I'm going to give you that chance to do that today. You are not saying you're perfect. You're not saying you're better than anyone else, but you're agreeing with every other Jesus follower in here that all of us together are sinners who have been saved by Jesus. And so if that's you and you've never done that before, I'm, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, if you've never done that and today's your day to do that, I just want you to look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's going to pray with you and introduce you to Jesus and lead you through asking Jesus to forgive you of your sins. And it'll be the best decision you could ever make. So one, God loves you, always has, always will. And today he's calling you to follow him. Two, there are things in all of our lives, mine included, where we say, God, I'm doing this my way. Get out of here. That's called sin, and the Bible came to forgive us of our sin. 
And three, today's your day to say, I know I need forgiveness and I'm ready for Jesus to do that today. Is there anyone like that here where today's your day to find forgiveness? Just look at me and raise your hand. And as we close, someone's gonna pray for you. Okay, I see you where you are. It's the best decision you could ever make. A guy named Reuben and a guy named Greg is gonna be there to pray for you. Is there anyone else where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? Okay, I see you where you are. A girl named Brooke is going to be there to pray for you. Is there anyone else where today's your day to say yes to Jesus? So, Father, we thank you that you are a God that defeats sin, that defeats loneliness. And, God, we invite you into our lives today. If you're here and, and you look at this as a battle that you are losing and you are done and you're ready for God to move in. And then I want you to come forward and confirm with your feet what your heart is saying. You're just going to come up, stand, kneel, sit at the front and just say, God, I, I'm ready. I want you to lead me out of this. It might take some risks. It might take some stuff that I'm scared of, but I'm saying yes to this. God, come walk me out of loneliness. And when we talk about Bible reading, if that's something that you've never done or haven't done it in a really long time, then I want you to come up and confirm with God and, and husbands, if, if you, you don't do this and your wife doesn't do this, I want you to bring your wife with you and say, we're going to do this together as a couple. This is going to be what happens in our house is that we're going to read the Bible and we're going to talk about it and we're going to pray. And then I want you to come forward and across the front and just say, this is, this is a stand that we're taking. We're starting today. God, we're confirming this uh, and we want you to do this in us. So for loneliness, for reading your Bible, let's come up, let's seal those com commitments before the Lord. Let's worship and respond now.